victory for Brendan Todd as he comes away with his first title since 2014. Such an impressive victory. Auto Press, episode 40. Is this real life? <laughs> I, I I don't even know what, what to say about it. I mean, Sunday may or may not be the greatest day of my life. Watching shot for shot, Brendan Todd, friend of mine, your family, just saute it around that golf course and take control. I mean, somebody tweeted out, they're like, I was really hoping the Bermuda Championship would be exciting. I was like, eh. It, it is. It really is. Like, <laughs> this is this is Tiger in his prime winning by 10. You know, like, <laughs> let's extend this lead. Come on, B. Todd. 59, whatever. Let's go. I you was just to... sitting there on the edge of my seat for 36 holes over the weekend, and Sunday was just a little joyride. Yeah, we'd, we'd been out of town, and we were on our way back, and... uh I asked Todd Pennington after Brendan Parr one. I know he'd birdied two. And then, uh, so like 30 minutes in our ride, I said, Hey, how's Brendan doing? And he looked, he's like, Oh, he's four under through five. And then it was five under through six, six under through seven, yeah. seven under through eight. My, my, my Twitter was like, like, what is going on? Good, good five holes, good six holes, good seven holes, good eight holes, good nine holes. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. Like, it was incredible. Nine under through 11. Bradley Hughes was sending me emojis. I didn't even know he knew what those were. I still don't because some of them were goofy. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just uh, just amazing. It really was. The, the real question I've got, though, and what I've learned through this weekend, we started this whole podcast based off like DraftKings and making some golf picks. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a hot take. Let's hear it. It was originally like Cal's locks. Like we're going to go with Cal's locks. I got a friend of mine named Cody who picked Rory and B Todd last week to win. They both won. Maybe we do, need to get, we needed to change it to Cody's locks. <laughs> Maybe we need to get, get Cody on here to tell us who to pick. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. And, and, uh, we have been, we have been away for like a month and, we probably would have been away longer if we hadn't had the biggest story in, of 2019. I mean, we, Brendan we, we even took a week off from Tiger winning. And a lot of that's not you. I, I was busy. We, we usually record on Tuesdays. My job keeps me away a lot of Tuesdays, traveling. But, yeah, but he, it's even, still the fall. Even with, even with Tiger winning, it was 80. 82 there was some stuff going around but it wasn't it wasn't nobody was really talking golf. about it you had to really be paying attention to even watch it yeah you had to stay up late or dvr it and it's still falling the south you know and nfl season i mean we had we had baseball going on like, we it had still NFL. doesn't feel i i get it i'm i'm a the biggest tiger guy you're, you're gonna meet but it's not like he won the honda classic you know what i mean like like if Honda had been his eighty second win, that's a way bigger deal than the Zozo Championship. Even though Zozo was a big win, I I saw something. Lee Westwood has won like fourteen times world. I I don't whatever. All the times he's won worldwide, none of them have equaled a hundred world ranking points. Each of Tiger's last three wins 
have been over a hundred world ranking points. And, yeah. And we're sitting here like, meh, <laughs> meh. <laughs> it's the fall. It's, it's the fall. I mean, it wasn't like the hero though. I mean, it was a full field event with Rory and Hideki and all these other clowns. Yeah, it was a good field, but eh, middle yeah, of the night. I agree. I agree. It's just poor timing on all that. And I mean, the Bermuda Championship finished it. It's like that guy that goes in three in the afternoon for cars. Psh, psh, psh. Yeah, I mean, Bermuda Championship finishes at three in the afternoon. No, yeah. that's not that's not a push because I love the Bermuda Championship. No, you're just still carrying over from Tiger's win. Bermuda Championship was legit, and we've got something really special tonight with B Todd. Yeah, there was some there was some some good information. We answered some. We asked him some Twitter questions. We asked him, you know, about JP caddying for him now. Did this? Did this change his thought process on that? I'm keeping my day job. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And it was nice to be back in the studio, though. We haven't even touched base. I mean, there's so much to touch base on, too, though. Yeah, but we'll, we're going to have to, I mean, we'll do a, a recap rule, episode here in a little bit. Rules violations. Yeah. yeah. On both LPJ and the Corn Fairy. <laughs> I, I want to touch on one thing real quick. Okay. Because this came up today. I, I played golf today, and this came up big time. A guy put in the Corn Ferry second stage Q school, forgot to sign the scorecard left, hours later gets DQ'd because they discover it. Who are you putting a fault in that? Like, are you faulting the rules of golf? Do you fault the person? Or do you fault the, the tournament for not being like, hey, man, come back and just sign the card? Like, I mean, ultimately, that's on the guy. I mean, yeah, they, the score could have, if they'd noticed it, obviously they didn't notice it, or well, I think they would have. But, but how many how many tournaments have you played in your life? I mean, a lot. A right? lot. When you've got it, the score is 10, they always go over hole by hole. They, 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 they go through, they check mark the 9-9, nine, nine, both signatures before you leave. Yeah. Like, it's a standard thing. They, they, they check to make sure there's a signature on each side. Like I've I've seen I don't know I haven't played as many tournaments as you have, but each time I've been in that scorer's tent, they take a pencil and they check mark signature signature nine nine. And yeah, but they, did the guy just walk in there and throw his card down? That's and what I'm wondering. Like, I mean, if he did that, out you're out. Like, well, it's still on you to sign the scorecard. Yeah, I don't know. I I. Anyway, we can get into that later on, but enjoy the interview with B Todd. Big win for the fun. auto press. Go B Todd. You're the man. Yep. And uh we'll be back and, maybe and go next be week. Hughes. Go be Hughes. All right. Enjoy. And we're live with two time PGA Tour champion and friend of the pod, Brendan Todd. Brendan, how's that feel? The two time champion now. It feels amazing. Uh, Bermuda was great to me, and I would recommend that country to anybody who wants to go visit. It's beautiful. Did they pay you extra to say that? They, they pretty much. You know, I, I did meet the uh, Bermuda Tourism Department, 
and I met the governor, and I met the premier of the country, which is like the prime minister. And they're all amazing people, so why wouldn't you want to say that? Did um did you become an honorary police officer? I saw a picture floating around of you <laughs> with a with a police hat on, signing autographs. <laughs> My caddy was saying after one of the rounds, like, man, it'd be cool to caddy in one of those hats. And so <laughs> I was walking from like the media tent to the clubhouse, and I knew I was about to go do some pictures and some autographs and stuff. And I'm like, hey man, can I wear your hat? He's like, yeah, I'll trade you. So. uh I got to go into the clubhouse and do like the final trophy presentation wearing the, the cool British police hat, which was pretty tight. But you didn't get to keep it? No, the guy wouldn't give it to me. He made me sign it. Oh. Did you get to keep that trophy? Like, is that an actual take home trophy this time? Um, they're going to ship it to me. Jeez. So who knows? Maybe I'll get like a 20% replica. Right. Now. I mean th- that that's something I've learned through talking to you. Your your first trophy you didn't get to really keep. Yeah, so the first trophy at the Byron Nelson was this big, beautiful, giant silver trophy, and then the trophy I got in the mail was like a eight inch statue of Byron Nelson. It's really a nice looking statue. It's just really small. Just one one what you're expecting. <laughs> no, no, Rachel was seriously like. She, I think she was offended. <laughs> is this trophy in, in like, is it like the Bermuda Triangle? Is that what they were trying to do? Yeah, I think that's exactly what they were going for, the Bermuda Triangle. However, it was it was made by this, uh, um, I guess he's called, a, not really a carpenter, he's like a woodmaker, and he's 73 years old. He's been carving these cedar trophies or these cedar objects since he was 14. That's business. You met him? I did not meet him. No. Oh. So so walk yeah. us through. You get finished. By the way, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. I mean, we we're just <laughs> we're just opening this up like everybody knows. I think that goes without saying. I didn't even say yeah. it in, the, in the opening here, but man, I've been on cloud nine. I'm celebrating more than you probably are. <laughs> I don't know. We had a pretty big time on Sunday night oh, at Bermuda. I, I was gonna say, what do you? So what do you do now? You don't have anybody there with you. You got, I assume you were staying with Sepp Straka. You have your caddy. How'd you celebrate? Like, yeah. what'd you what'd you go do? So I roomed with Jonathan Bird. He missed the cut, so I had the room to myself on the weekend. And then um, I finished the round, and there were a handful of guys waiting for me, including Sepp Straka and his brother Sam, who caddied for him this week. Uh, they immediately handed me a Corona Extra. I took that to the media tent. After I signed my card, of course. And, um, you know, I went and did the, the media interviews, which, you know, weren't too too many. There were only a handful of writers there. And then from media, we go into the clubhouse, and I think they sold tickets uh, to, like, the champion trophy presentation in the clubhouse. So there were probably 100 people in there. Um, and I didn't know they sold these tickets. I found out afterwards because it seemed like, I was just getting swarmed by these people in the clubhouse. And I mean, I kind of expect that, but literally everybody would come up with like three things to sign. They wanted two pictures, one to talk to me. And you're just kind of like, man, this is a lot of attention, um, you know, from just some people, some hospitality people that are hanging out at the clubhouse looking to have a beer. So anyways, it was, it was a good time, but um, we definitely, uh, definitely signed a, a thousand things, took a bunch of pictures, which was cool. 
they actually, um, the premier of Bermuda, who's like the prime minister, he gave me a bottle of their own de Rothschild champagne, which I guess is a real fancy, expensive champagne that, um, you know, me, him, the governor, Sep, Sam, my caddy, we all, all passed around, which was pretty fun. And then I went into the lock when I was done doing the autographs in the clubhouse. I went to the locker room, signed about a thousand more things, and um, packed up my bag. And uh, we headed out, headed back to the hotel to get cleaned up for dinner. So then um, Sam, Sep, my caddy, uh, West Rogers caddy, another caddy, all went to a nice steakhouse there at the Fairmont Southampton and ordered a few bottles of wine and had a big time. It was good. Did they make you pick up the tab? You know, it was, it was weird how they did, those caddies didn't split it between them, but yeah, I picked it up. <laughs> I, I, I can't help. It, yeah, it was it was rather large. Th- this is going to sound weird, but I split my rent on Venmo through uh, some friends or through my roommates, and I couldn't help but notice you had a couple payments from Glass Roach this week. Is that the uh, bogey-free rounds going on? It is. Yeah, the bogey-free rounds. So I had one in um, Houston, and I had one this week, and you had to pay both of them. It's funny. I, I logged in, and I just see this, and I, I don't even know how we're connected on on there. Maybe we're Facebook friends. I, I have no idea. But I saw this. I'm like, that's hilarious. And I, I sent a screenshot to Stuart and Sam Guvion. So did the the putt on 18 on Sunday, did that cost you a bogey-free round? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. It cost me about 300 bucks on uh, on 18 that day. Damn. Do we want to get into this real quick, his Sunday? Sure. Because I've, I've got one pressing question that not only mm-hmm. me, but a, a kid from my, uh, <laughs> my team's been asking. You get to 17, you've got a seven-shot lead. You you pull out three-wood, hit a good good three-wood, but you have 245 to the pin, choose not to go for it. What was the reason for not hitting driver off the tee, and what was the reason for not going for it on the 59 watch? Oh, man. I think it was just uh, my caddy and I just, we played the hole that way every day, and then all of a sudden we get up there with, you know, different wind conditions, and we're trying to just finish off the golf tournament. And um, so it was actually hybrid off that hole okay. instead of driver or three wood. And two, and, and the wind was just slightly in my face. So, you know, I'm 245 off of kind of a tight downhill lie uphill. It's The green sits about 20 feet up in the air. And so you just feel like there, it, it was, for me, I only fly my three wood about 245 or 250. So that's a good one. So it's like, if I don't hit it good, it could land in the fairway and roll back down towards the water. You know, or I could have my old yip shot over into the right bushes, and you just never know what's going to happen after that. So it was just one of those. You got the tournament in hand. You want to finish it off the right way. Yeah. Uh, 59 just, just keep it kind of. Yeah. So, I mean, if I, we, yeah, I, I just said that to him. I said, he's like, what are you thinking about when we're in the fairway at 245? I'm like, I'm thinking about three wood. He's like, no, nah, just sit your nine iron and lay up. He's, I was like, <laughs> he's like, you can party the last two holes with a wedge. So and that I, was the plan. I, I I still thought you were gonna. He he texted me and he's like, why did he lay up there? I'm like, listen, man, he he's in a different situation than we are. Just let it happen. 
and yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty nine would have been sweet. I mean, it didn't matter. Fifty nine would have been sweet, but it just didn't matter. I'd rather win by four or five than yeah, trying fifty nine and end up in a playoff. And then Harry ends up making an eagle. If if you had to dump that in the water and make a seven real quick, you got a different feeling going down eighteen. Exactly. Not that you can plan for that, but man. So what kind of? Do you have yeah, a good? You sure can't avoid it by playing smart. That's right. So do you have a good warm up session? I mean, did you did you feel that round coming? I mean, for the people that are that kind of hadn't dug into it, you you birdied two through eight, and then ten and eleven. So you were nine under through eleven, and I mean, put on twelve. I thought should have gone in. I mean, yeah, nine so put on nine could have gone. The golf in. course, <laughs> the golf course set up well for me because. 90% of the holes, you basically just hit the ball to a spot off the tee. Everybody hits to the same spot. Whether you're hitting hybrid or three-wood or four-iron, whatever you got to hit, you're going to leave yourself. Kind of everybody's in the same area. And then it's attacked from there, and it was usually a short iron or a wedge. So I got, for the first time in a while, I got to hit the same exact clubs into the greens as everybody else. And I'm a pretty good wedge player, and I was happened happen to hit them well this week. So, um, number one, the course set up well for me, as seen by the first three rounds. Number two, my swing was, you know, rounding into form as the week went on and felt amazing in my warm-up. Um, Justin Leonard came down to the end of the range and watched me hit a few four-irons and three-woods, and those are usually the clubs I struggle with, and I just roped them. I mean, I hit beautiful high tower and little draws. and I mean, I think he watched me at three shots, and he was like, man, that looks good. I'm like, it feels good. I'm going to take it out there today. And, um, and then the wind, you know, the wind was blowing – 20 to 30 from the time I got to the island on Tuesday until Saturday afternoon. And the forecast said it was going to blow two to five on Sunday. So even in my pre-round interview with PJ Tour Radio, I told them, you know, the wind's down. Harry's got two shot lead. There's a bunch of us at 14, 15 under. I expect somebody to kind of come out of the pack and shoot a low round. <clears throat> so after a good warm up, I mean, it's not like it was going to be me. And, um, you know, I've been telling some people here the last couple of days, I, the interesting thing about my journey here lately is that, yeah, I'm coming off of just awful golf, huge slump, ball striking yips, everything you want to call it. But when I took that time off last fall and worked on my swing and got ready for second stage of Q school, it didn't take long in that tournament to kind of get some good momentum going. And I did finish that second stage off with a 963 on the final round. And then I went two days later to the RSM Monday qualifier and shot a 961. And I think between those two rounds, I just kind of really learned how to, when you need to go deep, kind of tap into that, that state that, you know, just some people would call it a flow state where you're just really feeling it. And, um, I've actually been able to kind of tap back into that a few times this year. I feel like I was, I went pretty low at the US Open qualifier. Um, I played good final rounds at the Wells Fargo and the John Deere. And then uh, Sunday, just I knew basically my goal was to go out there and birdie every hole. And uh, the first hole, I hit it in there 25 feet and whipped out. Birdied the next seven, burned the edge on nine. Birdied 10 to 11, and 12 was in the hole for a second before it hopped out. So. You know, it was a culmination of just all those years of hard work and then this year finally putting some things together. It, that's all awesome. I mean, 
that that sixty one you mentioned. Let's not let it uh, blow over that you won by five in a Monday qualifier, which <laughs> right. doesn't doesn't happen often. But one thing I want to touch on. I mean, you you leave the golf course Saturday. They interviewed you, and all the talk is about. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's positive talk. Everybody's bringing up how many cuts you've missed of how many tournaments, blah, blah, blah. All this bullshit, just like, oh, you've played this, you've done this, you've been in the bottom. Like, does that negative negativity wear on you? Or were you ready to go and you're just like, you know what, this is getting old? And are you tired of that talk? Um, no, I've just kind of embraced this, my journey. You know, like, I do remember before I kind of came out of it, <clears throat> maybe a year ago, I maybe I don't know, maybe it was a year and a half ago, I made the cut at like to Byron Nelson or something a couple of years ago and somebody wanted to do an interview on me and I was like, No. I'm not playing good. There's no interest in talking about how bad I've played for two years. But as I've been able to build some confidence this year, it's inevitable that every time I I play well or get an interview it's about, you know, missing forty one of forty seven cuts or whatever the number is. I mean, it's a lot, you know, I, I know I had stretches of 15 or 18 cuts where I missed them all in a row. So, um, I've just kind of embraced that. Look, that happened and it was awful. And it's, you know, pure ball striking yips and performance anxiety out there, everything you, you would ever think it is. And, you know, I've put in a lot of hard work to get back playing well. And I'm not really, there's a lot of shame when I was playing bad. I mean, there's a lot of depression and shame and just frustration. And, you know, now that I'm kind of on the other side of it, I can label it what it was um, and accept it and just talk about it because, you know, anybody who's ever played golf understands really what I went through. Maybe not to that extent, but everybody knows what it's like to have a slump, hit it bad, get the yips in a certain area of their game. And at this point, the best thing I can do is just kind of relate to those people and share my story and let them know that, you know, I've been at the very top of just about every level of competitive golf, but yet I've still had these slumps that are at the very bottom of those levels. And, you know, nobody's really immune to it and nobody's really above it. And there's no reason to act like you are. So for me, it's just kind of about sharing my story, accepting it and, you know, using those experiences to fuel the good golf. And that's really what I've been able to do. I mean, I was much more comfortable on the weekend than anybody I played with this weekend. And that just comes from I've closed out tournaments before. And I have a perspective of what it's like to really struggle and really know what nerves and fear feels like. And right now I'm not experiencing that because I'm just kind of on this gravy train of good golf it feels so much better than what i dealt with the last couple of years so and obviously i've been around you a bunch but you're you have always had outwardly and talked about your golf game in the most positive um aspect i mean you've continually i know in inwardly you may not have felt that way obviously at times but yeah. outwardly you know, I always felt like you, you projected a very positive attitude. And I know you're playing well at like going into the U S open this year and you had a lot of confidence, but after, after the podcast and you came on for a little bit, there were like five or six guys that went out and bet on you to win. I mean, they were, they were, they were sold on, on you talking it up. I mean, how much of an effect 
do you think that had on on kind of pulling out of it just to speak to I guess about the positive attitude yeah oh man you know I think that from day one my parents always taught me to have a good attitude and you know I grew up playing against two older brothers and their friends so I think that um, I just kind of was groomed and cultivated to have a you know an attitude and the perspective of you know, positivity and just competitiveness. You know, that's really what I think it is. It's more just I'm going to always walk away from the golf course saying, I'm doing this well. I think I'm ready to go. Because that's what practice is all about, right? You practice to play well. You don't practice to play bad. So I'm never really going to come out of practice and be like, oh, man, I'm just playing terrible right now. I've got no chance. I would never say that out loud because it's not going to – it's not going to help me when I get into the heat of competition. So I think for me, really, it just comes down to I'm not one who's going to sit there and talk bad about myself because I don't think it's productive. Yeah, definitely not. Stuart mentioned another thing there, betting on Brett and Todd. I had a, uh, oh, really? I had a friend of mine this week, a friend of mine named Cody, who uh, threw a pretty weak bet on you to win at <laughs> 70 to 1. Nice. <laughs> so in Bermuda, yeah, <laughs> heck yeah. So shout out to Cody, and he 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 took you, and he took Rory for the HSBC. It's pretty Come good. On. So pretty he deal. he had a pretty decent week there. I think he's man. he's ridden you every week since uh, you came on the first podcast. So <laughs> finally caught up to him. <laughs> shout out to Cody. There you go. So here's a. So another question I was kind of thinking about earlier today, you know, the struggle started, um, I guess in what real 2015 or so. Yeah. Essentially it was the BMW Saturday round at the BMW in 2015. I hit a four iron about 50 yards. Right. Yeah. There was a good story that I read, uh, Ryan Lavender put out there that was pretty interesting. I thought, but mm-hmm. you know, I know you went through obviously some dark times and, 16 and 17 but you also got to be home more around you know three kids three young kids do you think that i mean that almost worked out better for you getting to be be home a lot more yeah it was sort of a blessing um i mean i wouldn't trade those times at home for the world and you know, fortunately, financially, I didn't really, it didn't really affect me. I was able to not play well and, you know, still put food on the table for those three years. Um, and, and subconsciously, I have no idea if maybe, you know, I got to a point where I had some success and I was trying too hard and it either meant less to me or I was practicing worse or, I mean, I have no idea if there was some subconscious reason why I, started to struggle and like gave into the ball striking yips that's you know for somebody else to figure out um but you know i wouldn't trade those three years for the world and i think that they've made me a better person and a better player and you know it really set me up hopefully for a long career now now that i know how to balance sort of my time at home where maybe i don't have to work quite as hard on my game because i'm not trying to change and i'm not trying to chase you know, world number one or, you know, some certain level of expectation. I'm just trying to go out there and 
play as good as I can, accept the results, and have fun. Yeah, so you basically have a three-year exemption now. I mean, you've got, what, we're f- yeah. six tournaments into this year, and then you've got the next two years. Is that um, is right. that three years in the players and PGA, too? Oh, uh, no. For the players, I still have to finish top 125 every year. Okay. But you're in the, the PGA, too. But you're in the tournament of champions out in Kapalua <laughs> this year, correct? Correct, yeah. Free money. <laughs> Yeah, so 2020, I go to Kapalua, I get the players, I get the PGA. <laughs> That's a 35-person event for so, just free, free vacation. <laughs> but so yeah, with, exactly, yeah, pretty sweet. With the exemption, do you get being exempt? I mean, do you get to pick every event you want to go play now? or? Um... Uh, well, this coming year, I will, with the exception of majors and world golf events okay um, and part of that's because the win the fedex cup points that i won will position me on the fedex cup list to qualify for all the invitationals bay hill the harbor town colonial memorial desert classic all those events so um, essentially this coming year yeah i'll have <clears throat> pick of the litter and then again the next year because most likely i'll finish in the top 80 at a minimum on the FedEx Cup this year. Yeah. And that would also qualify me again for the Players' Championship and all the invitationals. So it's kind of like having two years of picking everything you want on the schedule. And the worst case is maybe you're not qualified for some of the invitationals, but you can still pick all the other events um, that are full field events. So how good of a feeling is that to know you don't have to go play like Tory Pines that doesn't set up well for you. <laughs> How good is that? It's, it's really exciting. <laughs> I only I say mean, that because I've heard you t- heard you tell me I how mean, hard yeah, yeah. Tory Pines are like. Corn, corn Fairy Finals category. What? And I was even talking in the middle of last week about skipping Tory Pines, and that's like, you know, you don't usually skip events when you're not getting in every week, but that's just one of those events. I mean, I remember in 2012. I led the field in greens and regulation through three rounds and I MDS, which means I <laughs> made the cup, but didn't finish because I was outside of the top 72 through three rounds. And I had led the field. That means I was hitting it as good as I've really ever hit it, but I'm 25 feet on bumpy greens on every hole and I'm not making those putts. <laughs> what what event so, are you most excited to be back into? Uh, probably the players. I mean, I, I love the golf course. The tour runs it amazingly well. Purse is huge, uh, very prestigious. It's for me. It, it kind of ranks right down, right there behind Masters, British Open, U.S. Open, Players, then PGA for me. Um, and then uh, I love Memorial, Colonial, Harbor Town. Kind of would be the next three. So yeah, Harbor Town for exciting sure. Exciting times. I would think Harbor Town would be like a B Todd paradise. It is. I've shot some of my lowest rounds and some of my highest rounds there though. Because oh. if you have the yip, that course is impossible. <laughs> We're over that. We we gotta get over this whole talking about this thing. Like I I'm tired of people it's, talking about it myself. It's it's I know. It's fine though. It's not you, like you, you embrace it. You're just like, meh, here we are. You know? Ah, I mean it took like I didn't really hit any shots right this year from January to July. Well, and I was still walking into shots fearing hitting it 40 yards right. 
let's speak about that for a touch. I mean, I I know that he's gotten a lot of uh, press through your victory this week, but B Hughes, he he right. sold he sold like two hundred ebooks since you won, <laughs> and he's been a, a big part of what you're doing. How do you, how do you feel about Absolutely. all this and and let's let's give him a little bit of a shout out. I mean, we're yeah. I mean, Bradley Hughes has been amazing. Uh, I was on the driving range at UGA course about a year and a half ago. I guess it was mid July, and David Denham, my college teammate, who was on our 2005 national championship team, uh, he he was out there watching me at some balls, and he kind of tried to help me a month earlier, and. He made the same mistake as a lot of other teachers. So I was hitting it right, and he kept telling me to try and close the club face going back, which made me either hit it 30 yards left or 50 yards right. Pick, you know, pick your poison. Denim said this? <clears throat> so, yeah, Denim, yep. He told you to so, close, it, close it down? Yeah, exactly. Damn yep. it, Denim. <laughs> What's that? Damn it, Denim. <laughs> oh, well, he's not the first one. <laughs> he's like the he can just get in line with every other teacher out there climb up and, climb uh, on board and so but he was like you know this Bradley Hughes has some really good uh, lower body drills online he said I've watched a bunch of them I think he's pretty good you should check it out and so I went online found his website and looked him up found, saw he had an ebook and I was going um, to Santa Rosa Beach the next week with the Moors and I read this book in like two days and I went to the range and tried it. And, you know, I really liked the principles in the book. So I booked a lesson with him and, um, you know, he gave me some, some really good advice and some good drills to do that didn't take hold right away. Cause I was still trying to play competitive golf and still was, um, just super mental at the time. But when I did have six or seven weeks off to just work on them at my house and get away from the game a little bit, I mean, they took hold very fast as we saw when I went to second stage and shot 14 on there and then qualified for the RSM the next week. So Brad's been a big part of the comeback and, you know, he's very deserving of a lot of the um, credit for the success because he had the, you know, wherewithal to see what I was doing and kind of know which areas of the swing I needed to work on and how to improve them. You know, and the biggest thing for me was I always used to kind of turn really far behind the ball and open the club face. And that's so why I had a lot of room and time to come square back up on the way down. And essentially that's exactly what he, what he had me do. Um, a question we got, <laughs> so. we got from, from uh, Twitter about the Bradley Hughes stuff. Um, they, they want to know, do you think about any of the feels in your drills during your swing, like four thirty is a swing thought or any of your pre-shot or uh just during practice, how does how does it translate? I guess from the drills to the actual golf course. Yeah. So for me, um, the biggest feelings that I try to feel are that one of Brad's drills is a transition drill where you get to the top and you kind of you kind of squat and feel like your right elbow you know, comes out in front of your right pack. And so for me, after my transition, I'm trying to kind of feel that, that squat and shallowing move. And then I'm just trying to basically release the club hard. So 
for me, it's all about kind of having a little bit of like time at the top to, to, to squat into the downswing and then square the face up about as hard as I want. Yeah. Because that's what I couldn't do for so long was square the face up. And with his impact back drills where I learned how to release the club with my left hand, my right hand, both hands on the club, um, it's a big deal for me to make sure I'm squaring the face up. And it's actually something I can use, you know, when I'm still swinging the club 100 miles an hour. Yeah. So you are you are using, I don't know which drill that is, but you, you do use that. Kind of yeah, drill too. Drill too. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and then occasionally you know, I'll be out there, and you know I know maybe I'm tight or not hitting it perfect, and I'll use the the board drill where, um, you know you hit with a about a 16 inch piece of plywood between your feet, and you're really feeling your feet squeeze the board down through the shot. And so sometimes I'll just, I'll just pretend like I have an imaginary board between my feet when I'm hitting the shot in the tournament. I mean, we've, and that we, seems to work out pretty well for me. I mean, we've got a, a B. Hughes lesson day coming up at a chest on November 25th. Um, he's coming up just, awesome. just for the day. And there are already four or five people that are definitely want to see him. So <clears throat> Nice. So you said he sold 200 books on Sunday? I like that. Yeah, since, since Sunday he... He texted me last night. I almost texted him. I wanted to ask him that. He texted me last night and said two hundred. Because I, I asked him because they've they've talked about it a bunch. I, I don't know if you rewatched the broadcast, but he uh, I have not. He had he had enough airtime, and they were like, "Yeah, college teammate of of Brennan Todd's recommended this book." Blah blah blah. So I asked him about it because I saw it going through Twitter and everything. He, he he told me last night two hundred bucks two hundred books since Sunday. Well, <clears throat> that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, let's switch. He deserves it. Let's, Pretty cool. Let's switch gears a little bit. The other question we got a lot about was about your your hat sponsor CBD. Okay. Did do you do any of the CBD stuff? He was chewing gum. So currently, no. I actually do not take CBD oil. What was that gum you were chewing? Uh, in any form. What? What was that gum? I wasn't chewing gum. I don't think he had yeah, any gum. He was chewing gum on Sunday. <laughs> I was. Eating, I might have been eating food, but I wasn't chewing gum. <laughs> I watched every shot on Sunday. You were chewing gum. <laughs> JP knows what you were doing. <clears throat> I was chewing on my tongue, I guess, or my cheek. Maybe as a nervous tick. I don't know. You know. So no, no CBD stuff for you. No, well, so the Georgia Extracts is my CBD sponsor. They are the first hemp processing plant in the state of Georgia, and they're based here in Watkinsville. And a neighbor of mine gave me their um, capital raise sheet, and it seemed like a good investment to me just based on how many people I know in the athletic world that are already taking CBD. And for the reasons that they take it, like anxiety, sleep, um, just general stress, uh, back aches. So I feel like it's going to be a pretty good product for the masses when it gets maybe approved by the FDA or it gets um, sold a little bit more mainstream. And they seem to have a pretty good setup from the standpoint that um, the state of Georgia just passed this year uh, the legalization of growing hemp again, which has been outlawed since maybe the 1940s. 
and um, there really aren't any processors in the state of Georgia yet. Most of the people, most of the companies in Georgia are buying their CBD isolator distillate from another state and then making their product here and selling it. So anyways, they're just great people with a good vision and a good work ethic, and I think they're going to do big things in the CBD space, and um, I want to be a part of it. And then I'm hoping that we can maybe team together and make um, you know a good line of golf CBD products to get sold in golf shops. We're also happy that you finally got that y'all got that logo worked out on your your shirt sponsor Springer Mountain Farms, and everybody can see the plus Springer Mountain baby, <laughs> Gainesville Fieldell Chicken Company. That's right. Um, they make the best organic chicken. John Wright's my guy, and um, they've been great for me. Yeah, it's about time you got that logo right, and uh, I'm proud <laughs> Justin, to wear it. And I'm, I think this was the first week I wore the good logo, and I won. So it, it, it was all over the place. I mean, timing was perfect. And and you've got it in the profile on the profile page for BJTour.com now too. I love it. Yeah, going back to the CBD, what what percentage of guys out there are using some sort of like oh, gum or? Not only that, but gummies. You're, you're, I'd you're, say probably twenty five percent. Okay. Your your company doesn't offer any purchases offline. Did you mention that? Right. I think I no. I'm meeting with them again tomorrow. Um, I think they're still more in the space of processing the plant down to what's called an isolate or a distillate. Um, isolate, I believe, is the full spectrum CBD and distillate. Sorry, no, distillate is the full spectrum. Isolate is just CBD. That's uh, the only chemical in the isolate. Uh, and then they will use that to make other people's mixtures and products, and then they when you bottle meet, them back. When you meet with them tomorrow, tell them. tell them their website is confusing, and okay. I'm unable to purchase products from that. <laughs> there you go. I'll get, I'll get that information relayed. I appreciate it, JP. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, it's been a popular product. He, you have that hat on, and people see that. Everybody knows Springer Mountain. It's the number one chicken company in the world. Uh, supplier mm-hmm. to Chipotle, Jack in the Box, Panera Bread, etc. But not everybody knew what Georgia Extracts were, and the website didn't right. help. The website didn't help. Not gonna lie. <laughs> well. Hey, at least their name's getting out there, and they have room to grow. So, so what what kind of whirlwind has this been since Sunday? I mean, we had just today. I know you had morning drive. You had um, oh, since Sunday too. Have you Sirius XM? Have you checked your bank account? Did did the direct deposit go in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the direct deposit hit, man. <laughs> I, I won the smallest uh, purse of the year. That's okay. In the past ten years, maybe. What's that? The past ten years, maybe. In, in ten years, yeah, maybe. But that, that's it's okay. okay. We're I, we're looking forward though, B Todd. We're I looking forward. And I, I beat up on 120 guys and proved what my game was. That's a, and now I can take that confidence to the bigger purses and dominate. Uh, some somebody asked but, me that they're like, is he is he pissed off that it was only worth five hundred and forty thousand? I said no because he got three years that's going to be worth like six million when it's all said and done. Right? Yeah. I mean, the only thing for me is I had asked the 
the PAC, which is the Player Advisory Council, that um, recommends regulation adjustments to the board of the PGA Tour, I had asked them to consider making opposite field events worth 400 FedEx Cup points for first place. When you, you know, when the tour does a regular event, it's 500 points for first place. A world golf event is 550, and majors are 600. But their opposite field events drop down to 300. So I understand the strength of fields not as good as those other events, but is it so severely less that it deserves a 40% drop in first place points? I don't think so. You know, you could yeah. legitimately be a guy who, you, know, you could be a college kid like a Matt Wolf or a Morikawa that comes out, you know, and maybe you get four sponsor exemptions. You miss the first two cuts. You win Reno. You get 300 points and you finish 25th at the Wyndham and you don't even qualify for the Phillips Cup because you earned 325 points. And so, in my mind, you know, if you win an event, it takes about 380 points, maybe 390 a year to qualify for the FedEx Cup, finish top 125. If you win an event, you should probably qualify. And yeah. just by making the, the opposite field events 400 would do that. There, so a, that's what I thought could happen, but obviously the, the Matt Creatures of the world said no. Of course. Well, there was somebody last year. Who, who was it that won an event and didn't qualify for the FedEx Cup? Because Martin Trainer. Yeah, Trainor. it was Jim Martin. Martin. Oh, Martin Trainer, yeah. Martin Trainer, yeah. He won. No, I mean, no offense. You know, the, those the guys that it happens to don't generally play well in the other events. So I can see one argument saying they're not deserving, but they did beat a 120 or 30 man field well, for a week. So Spike McCroy playing every time doesn't help your case. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> what do you think of Bo Hogue's second shot on 18? Could you see it rolling back down the cart path? Yeah, we could. Like, that seemed like something that happens that at Chattahoochee. Well, it happened to me at the U.S. Open this year, so it must happen at all levels of golf. <laughs> I guess we just don't catch it on TV a whole lot. Yeah, yeah exactly. That thing, that thing just kept I, going. Oh, that was so yeah. painful to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and then he missed uh, a top ten by a shot and doesn't get in Mike Oba. Oh really? I didn't realize. Yeah, that. Yeah, he missed it by. He was finished like eleventh or twelfth. Now, are Man, you going to tough. you going to Mayakoba and RSM still? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that that just um, brought up one question for me. I don't I don't mean to interrupt, but when you were on your run making like seven birdies in a row, there mm-hmm. was a point to where it looked like you were just playing golf, and the other two guys were just kind of like there. And they made yeah. a comment on broadcast that they were just kind of letting you play, and you were playing at your own pace and playing in front of them out of play almost. Was was that the case, or was that misanalyzed uh, on the broadcast? That I was playing at my own pace and not at their pace? Well, well, not that in sense, but, like, you were hitting shots when it wasn't your turn. Oh. No. I mean, if that happened, it was only because somebody was – Waiting on a ruling, or um, yeah, they... yeah. For example, on number seven, um, Harry Higgs hit it left of the green, and I mean he had to chip it left-handed, and then he duffed it up the hill, and you know, so Bogue hit his his shot from right of the green before Harry ever hit his first two shots. Um, you know, I don't think that 
was happening. Yeah, they, they, from that standpoint. But that, I was I that's do feel like I was playing I do feel like I was playing at a uh, you know, I was I was in the zone, so I was playing well and I was taking my time and you know, we certainly weren't um behind the group in front of us or anything, but I didn't you know, I felt like I was kinda of playing my game and they were kind of the bystanders that day. Yeah, I think Harry Higgs which, made which the comment fine. to his caddy that after like eleven, that he thought you were going to shoot fifty six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I read that. It was looking like it at that point. What what point were you comfortable winning the tournament? Like, had you played ten holes and you're like, all right, let's succeed to the house. Uh, pretty much after number seven. Damn. When I let's I go. got five hundred and Harry made a double bogey on seven, my. I think I probably ended up being uh, two or three ahead of him at that point, and I felt like there was just no way he was going to stop me. So, I mean, after number six, I was thinking about 59 already. So, I mean, it was definitely in my mind. And, you know, I think had the player on 12 dropped or maybe the ones on nine and 12 dropped, I would have found a way to make it happen. But, you know, considering I had the birdie, uh, the last two holes, and I wasn't willing to risk hitting a shot that was going to make a bogey. I didn't uh, didn't pursue it that hard. Right? Why would you? Um, okay. One one other question that we got from the Twitter audience: Juniors practice or play comes from Clay Chapel. What's the most important? If if you got a couple hours after, yeah. Shout out to my boy Clay, who is. Um, he runs the A&F Public Driving Range here in Watkinsville, Georgia. Nice. And his son, Frederick, is a good 14-year-old player. Future Piedmont Lion. the Junior League team. State of Georgia won the PGA Junior League this year, and he was on the team, so that was pretty cool. But anyways, I would say um, always play. If you only have two hours, go find a buddy. Go play for a, a Coke or, you know, the rights to – shotgun or something um maybe five bucks if you've got it but i think competition is by far the most important thing and i think that's what makes me good when i do get the ball going the right direction is i just grew up competing all the time yeah i agree getting in some wolf hammer yeah maybe a little wolf hammer <laughs> taking some money from the boys <laughs> All right, two. Yeah, I mean, growing up, there was nothing better than putting contests, swimming contests, and going out with your high school teammates and trying to take their money. All right, two more questions, and we'll let you go. The first one was actually submitted by the man sent across from me. Are you upset that the winner's interview wasn't handled by Amanda Balionis? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> JP is. Expand on that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm happily married to Stuart's sister, so Yeah, but you gotta look out that's a good answer. You gotta look out for me though. Maybe you should contact her through the Twitter. Yeah. She's responded once about yoga. (laughs) All right, the the last question, then we'll let you go. Um and we asked you this the first time and I think JP has asked you this too. Does this change your stance on ever letting JP caddy for you? No, it actually makes it harder for him to caddy for me. <laughs> uh, my man, Egg, as we call him, Don Gadberry, 
has done a tremendous job for me this year. I think we've made, I don't know, 11 of 16 cuts together and almost a million bucks together. And I think uh, it's proven to me more and more how valuable your caddy is out there. And, I mean, I watch it week in, week out. You know, somebody will bring a buddy out to caddy and they'll miss the cut or, you know, just get – just they'll tell you a story about how their caddy wasn't there for them. So – so, so as Don, I know, Sorry, Jake. I know like six months ago, you said you're kind of pulling him out of retirement for, you know, the, right. the stretch run. Is he fully out of retirement now? He's fully out. I so, mean, he still has, he was doing it like an artificial putting green business on the side, or that was kind of his job there for a few months early in the year. But, um, you know, he pretty much just does some quotes and, some assistance with that but he is my full-time there's a full-time jock my full-time looper nobody's telling you that you wouldn't have made two million with me though (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're right you never know but you know what i'm comfortable with what we've done this year i'm 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 fully on board with what you've done and i wouldn't change anything appreciate it all right well we're we're glad that that we're, you gave Auto Press the first exclusive long form interview. We're all team B Todd. You just gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta come up and play with me though sometime. Let's do it. All right. All right. Thanks, Brandon. All right, you got it. See you guys. See ya. There's a place called Kokomo